Hi, I'm Andy McDonald, Senior Pastor of Whole Life Church here in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-generational congregation, a faith community committed to our mission to love people into lifelong friendship with God. And we're committed to our vision to be a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. As a church family, we've been waiting. It's hard to believe that we haven't assembled for worship for seven months. The pandemic has caused death and suffering and fear and loneliness, and we have sought over these months to continue to invite you into a meaningful worship and spiritual development experience each week. For those of you on our email list, you have been privileged to receive from Tammy Sinkamani a daily reflection, just a resource to connect us spiritually. Our teams have faithfully gathered in small numbers with physical distance to do each their part of singing, playing, announcing, reading scripture, recording, lighting, producing, editing, sharing, speaking, and we will continue that coming together to benefit our church family and all who may join us online. So I just want to say thank you to all the team. We are some distance still from normal life, but regardless of the circumstances, we can love and serve people. Being a church without walls, we can be church wherever we are as we are serving the people that God brings into our circle of influence. Let's pray. God, we wait. We wait for all kinds of things, and we sometimes wait patiently, and we sometimes wait impatiently. And we seek for you to teach us through Scripture lessons now, uh, ways we can, and things we can do while we wait. Ask for your blessing as we open your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Waiting is never easy. Uh, We've been painfully reminded of this over the past seven months. Waiting is never easy. As, As our world reels under all kinds of strains and stresses, it's tough to wait for all things to be made right and anew as God intended. Waiting is never easy. Last week, I read Jesus' words about going to prepare a place and coming back to take us to be with him where he is, and we wait. Many of us have grown up hearing about the soon coming of Jesus, and every year we wonder what soon means. As I'm aging, I'm wondering if his soon coming may simply refer to the shortness of this life. Regardless, we wait. While we wait, what do we do? It was Richard Hickam who suggested that this season might merit a a series about waiting. So for the next seven weeks, we will be looking at various biblical characters, biblical models, to learn what are some of the positives we can do while we wait, and what are some of the practices to avoid while we wait. Young, Young children often find it hard to wait. Maybe it's because an hour or two in their life is a huge portion compared to their years, and as compared to an adult, an hour or two in our life doesn't seem to be much. Whatever the reason, tell a child that you you promise to take them somewhere today and watch what happens. The truth is that once you've announced your promised trip to the store or to a park or to a friend's house, once announced, your day will be more enjoyable if you just go there immediately. Otherwise, the day will be filled with repeated inquiries. 
Are we going soon? How soon are we going? When are we going? Are we still going? Is it, is it about time to leave? The story of Abraham reveals to us an amazing narrative of a promise made and awaiting. Abraham and Sarah weren't a couple of young newlyweds when the Lord shows up and said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation, and I'll bless you. I'll I'll make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. I, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Abraham was 75 years old when God came to him. Sarah was younger, probably close to 65, a mature couple, to say the least. And and now the promise is not small or casual. Promised to become a great nation. Promised blessing. Promised fame. Promised resources. You will be a blessing. Promised popularity. Blessing those who bless you. Promised protection. Cursing those who curse you. Promised universal effectiveness. All the peoples of the earth blessed through you. The Bible says, so Abram left. I wonder if a few days into his journey to who knows where, he's expected promise fulfillment. With the recruitment promise, the Lord didn't give a timetable. Later, later in the story, Abraham will get a sense of timing. But for now, the vision was clear, the promise perfect. Life was going to be good. And I wonder if Abraham and Sarah's imagination saw them with multiple tents full of their children and grandchildren around their tent in the center. What was their expectation? How long did they imagine they'd have to wait for the promise? That's the challenge with waiting. You you often just don't know how long it will be. It's sort of like going to get tickets to a game or a play or a concert that you expect to be a sellout. So as soon as you hear the day that you can go get tickets, you go down to the box office and you're there, the sales begin, and as you arrive, you realize there's already a line that circles the block. You get in the back of the line and you wait. You aren't sure how long the wait will be. Beyond the slow-moving line, there will still be tickets, will there still be tickets when you get to the window? What if they run out of tickets just a couple of people before you get to the window? All that waiting would be wasted. Abraham and Sarah had no idea back when they were just Abram and Sarai, there was no knowing the length of the waiting. What do you do while you wait? What what do we do while we wait? Wait for the pandemic to end? Wait for social closeness instead of social distance? Wait for that job that we're trying to get? Wait for that birth of our child? Wait for the test results of we took and wait for recuper- to recuperate from a surgery. Wait for cooler weather. Wait for Jesus to come. What can we learn from Abraham about what to do and not do while we wait? Our first lesson is summed up in Genesis chapter 12, verse 4. So Abram left. When the Lord makes something clear, step out in faith while you wait. There's no waiting around Ur of the Chaldeans. Instead, even with all the unknowns based just on God's call and his promise, Abram moved out. 
the writer to the Hebrews captures it well when he says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. When God makes a promise, gives a command, he will enable its doing. So when he calls, when he calls, if you think you hear his call, get clarity, double check that it is the Lord doing the calling and go for it. With all the faith it took to head out, who knows where, he must have gotten fuzzy at some point on God's promise. Sometimes when we make really bad or dumb decisions in our lives, contrary to God's plan, it may not be active rebellion. It just may be that our minds wander and God's promises become fuzzy. God had said, I will bless those who bless you, Abraham, and I will curse those who curse you. Abram goes down to Egypt because of a famine. There's, there's food down in Egypt. He's concerned, though, when he arrives that because Sarah is so attractive in how she carries herself and how she interacts in her intelligence and, and her humor and her physical beauty, he's afraid that Pharaoh will see her, want her, and kill him to get her. And so they conspire to tell a half-truth, which is a whole lie. Sarah is his sister. Partially true, she is his half-sister, but she's also his wife. Options while we wait. Move out in faith on one hand and then forget God's promise and try to control things ourselves by even lying on the other hand. Next, he and his nephew need to part company because the entourage of Lot and Abram combined, their households need more grazing space. Remember, Abram, Abraham is waiting still, and now what does he do while he waits? He is generous to his nephew Lot. He lets him have the first choice of the best lands, and Lot heads to the plains with the green pastures, and Abraham is left with the hill country. While we wait, we can be stingy or we can be generous. But if we truly believe that God is our creator, that he's the generative God, we need never fear scarcity. Knowing he's the one who supplies all of our needs, we can live with open hands and open hearts of generosity because we know we don't really care for ourselves, but that he cares for us. While he's still waiting, his, he hears that Lot and his people have been taken captive by a neighboring king. And interestingly, while he is waiting for the promise to be fulfilled, he doesn't just sit back and wait, but he mobilizes his whole clan, chases down the overreaching king, and sets Lot and all of his people free. I'd call that seeking justice. He actively engages in bringing justice while he waits. On the way home from that campaign of the victory, he, he stops off and presents tithe to Melchizedek. He worshiped and returned a tithe. Now, that's something that we can do while we wait. We can worship, and we can support financially God's work. Sometime later, God shows up again in a vision, and most likely God encounters throughout Scripture. The conversation begins with God saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield, your very great reward. This time, Abram, who has a bit of a thing about 
working to get his own way. He doesn't give God a chance to say much. He just jumps in sort of complaining about and wondering about all this waiting. Listen to his line of thought. O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? You've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. While we wait, especially when the waiting is long, we can lose faith in the promise. It moved down a path from amazing faith call and and over time from promise to impossibility in the waiting. God says, no, no, Abram, this man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. God takes him outside of the tent that night, and and he says for him to look up at the stars. And that was a night sky with no light pollution, uh, no competing night lights, and it must have been an amazing scene. One of those desert nights when you feel like you can almost reach up and touch the stars. At the edges of the Milky Way, you can distinguish more stars. And God says, count the stars if you can, so shall be your offspring. For Abraham, it was a a renewal moment. What he wished to believe, he came again to believe that regardless of delay, regardless of the impossibility of human perspective, his God would come through. He believed, and and the Lord credited the, the belief as righteousness to Abraham's account. God reminds him that he's the same God who called him to leave Ur in order to give him this land to take possession of it. For a moment, Abraham wanted more than just faith and waiting. How can I know, he says to God, how can I know? And there was this elaborate ritual, you can read about it there in Genesis, of covenant making, and God told him his descendants would be strangers in a country not their own for 400 years, but then God would bring them back to this land. While we wait, we can have dialogue with God. While we wait, we can seek evidence that his word is sure, and we will, and we will find it. But most importantly, we can believe God's word to us. By now, they've been in Canaan, Abraham and Sarai, for 10 years. Sarah still has had no children. He's around 85. We don't know, but Sarah's probably around 75. She knew he, she was past the years of having kids. So while we wait, there will come a mighty temptation, as it came to them, to move down the do-it-yourself path. God made a promise. I believe it's true. Nothing's happening. I'll fix things and make the promise come true. And so Sarah's maid joins her as a wife of Abraham, and Hagar gets pregnant and has a boy who she's been instructed to call Ishmael. The Lord has heard. At this time, Abraham is 86 years old. Now, 13 years go by of growing up his son, Ishmael. Uh, be able to have the mentoring opportunities and to do all the things a father will do with his son in those growing up fun years. And God shows up. He establishes the covenant of circumcision. And then he tells Abram, I will bless Sarah and surely give you a son by her. I'll bless her as the mother of nations. (laughs) Abraham's response, he falls face down to the ground and just begins to laugh. You've got to be kidding. 
Will, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will, will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? Just let Ishmael live under your blessing, God. God, I waited and I waited from 75 to 86 and nothing. And so I fixed it. I did, my, my, I did it my way. I got things in order for you, God. And God's like, no, no, Abraham. Sarah will have a son by this time next year. And you're to name him Isaac, and he will have 12 sons, and I'll make a, him into a great nation. Before Isaac is born, while he waits, Abraham will plead for the grace for the wicked city of Sodom and Gomorrah. He will lie to Abimelech, the same lie he told Pharaoh, that Sarah is my sister. And finally, when Abraham is 100 and Sarah is 90, the waiting is over and the son of promise, Isaac, arrives. There are two lessons among the many we can gain from this story that I want you to keep from this message today and Abraham's modeling. One thing to do while we wait, keep believing in the promise. Jesus said, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, you can be with me. The promise is true. The time will come. And and there's one one big temptation while we wait to which Abraham succumbed in his waiting time. And it is a temptation for all of us to move into the do it yourself mode. Yay, I believe the promise, but maybe God needs my help a little nudge. A form of that for us might be getting ready for Jesus to come, as if we could do that. What does that even mean? Bags to pack, sins to confess, life to get in order. For us to take the gospel to the world in order to force promise fulfillment. Jesus said that God knows the exact day and hour of his coming. No do-it-yourself plan will make us ready for Jesus to come any more than Abraham and Sarah's do-it-yourself plan with Hagar could produce God's assured child of promise. It was back in 1964 that Roy Pendleton wrote the song, Are You Ready for Jesus to Come? It was used a lot by evangelists in our church when I was growing up, my formative years. It was a, it was a pretty enough song, and I think the intent may have been good. But it added some fuel to the heresy about me getting me ready for Jesus to come. Uh, The promise that he was coming again was seriously dampened by the horror of not being ready. A good sermon on the five foolish virgins, topped off by Pendleton's song, had a way uh, for me of not, not raising faith, but increasing discouragement and depression. Are you ready for Jesus to come? Then implied in the the next line is only if you are faithful. Are you faithful in all that you do? Well, probably not. Have, Have you fought a good fight? Well, some days, yes. Some days, not so much. Have you stood for the right? Yes uh, and no. Have others seen Jesus in you? Well, Jesus was perfect, so maybe some reflections, but not the whole picture. And for too many, this moved us toward Hagar solutions rather than Sarah solutions. Abraham was given a promise by God, and while waiting, he got sidetracked. And you and I have been given a promise by God, salvation, a gift. It is as sure as was the coming of Isaac. Paul writes that the one who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He didn't write, God started a good work in you, then handed it off to you for you to make sure you're ready for Jesus to come. When you believe his promise, 
you are ready. That's right. Jesus has reconciled all things, including you, to the Father. Eternity is yours, destiny, unless you choose to reject it. While we wait, let's believe God's promise, and let's not get enmeshed in any form of do-it-yourself promise fulfillment. Let's just wait. Wait, believing God's promise. Wait, seeking to make the world more a more just place. Wait, serving others and setting captives free. Wait, just wait and let God fulfill His promise. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians, all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.